ladies and gentlemen. My name is Noah Tarno, and you are listening to I Don't Get It, a pop culture get-off-my-lawn cast. This is the only podcast on the interwebs that features the open, hopefully open-minded musings of two late 40s curmudgeons bravely and boldly staring down the prospect, the reality of their entertainment irrelevance. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, this man. Say hello. Hi, I'm Bill Scurry of American States Enterprises, which, uh, Noah, as you well know, is uh, the guy who knows what each of those USB cables and AC adapters and drawers goes along with. <laughs> when I moved to, uh, last month... Uh, in a drawer in my bedroom, I literally just had like a mass of cables, just like a tangle. And like, what the fuck do I do with this? Like, I clearly don't need these things. I don't know where they're from. They probably don't work. And like, how to, they're, they need to make e-waste disposal easier. Like, it's got to be like composting. Well, you know, they have that. Like, every building needs a, they do. Recently, yeah, we we were moving. Yeah, we we were moving a lot of stuff out of this uh, uh, place we live in here in, in Amsterdam. And um, I mean, I had a lot of electric stuff that I've just accumulated from life over the years. But there was also a lot of cabling from previous, um, you know, just shelves filled with stuff from previous uh, tenants and whatnot. That well, never... you gotta save it because you might need it some. Yeah, well, I I <laughs> well, I started throwing a lot of it out in conventional trash, and I thought I bet. Well, I mean, I, th- I thought maybe there's a better option for this. And I had to look a little bit. And I'm like, okay, there's also e-waste, um, which you can bring all sorts of bulk electronics and old phones and things like that. And it's certainly easier than it was back in New York City, where I think it was yeah. one day a year there was an e-waste yeah. drive. And that was <laughs> special it. Special day, yeah. Although I tell you, the apartment building I lived in New York was cool. Like I remember the uh, talking to like the super there. He's just like, just leave it at the top of the steps near your apartment and I'll take care of it. I mean, maybe he just threw it away, but he, I think he, he just paid threw it away. To it. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, my, my, actually my new office has a big couple big boxes by the door that say e-waste. But since I've been going to this office for about nine months, I have just seen stuff accumulate there and it never goes anywhere. So something yeah. tells me it's eventually going to take over the office. Yeah, or anyway. like, like, New, like New York, they do it one day a year as well. They one don't have day, the, 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 the ongoing thing in Holland where I, you can picture me. I was on my bicycle and I had a, a gigantic old stereo component bungee to the back of the thing, <laughs> very carefully weighted so that I wasn't like swinging from one side to the other. And I had a half hour ride to the E-Way spot, which is nowhere near the city center. However, I was very happy to finally put it in the proper. If you give me a proper place, man, I will bring the fucking thing there. Yeah, so this is not a podcast about e-waste. So what we do on this show is we talk about stuff that's new, that's happening, that's on the cutting edge of pop culture, maybe the kids are into. But um, uh, this week, we didn't really find a cultural thing to alight upon. So what we often do on the show is talk about something in the news, something being talked about. And, you know, you and I this week, we were texting, we're like, what are we going to talk about? And you suggested the Kanye West meltdown. And as I told you, that's the last thing I want to talk about yeah, for a yeah. variety of reasons. So we're not going to do that. And what else is in the news? The midterms. I don't want to talk about the, that. The, the Twitter sale being closed. Yeah. The Elon Musk of Twitter. I don't want to talk about any of these things. The new Taylor Swift album. I don't want to talk about that. We've done six episodes about Taylor Swift already. So something that's in the news that um, I actually am surprised I didn't hear more about. Uh, I was talking the other day on the phone, catching up with uh, one of our super fans, Mary Reeves, and she suggested it. Is uh, I had known, of course, the kerfuffle in uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, Prime Minister Liz Truss, 
her prime ministership uh, did not last as long as a head of lettuce. She was prime minister for something like 40 days, although she spanned two monarchs for <laughs> yeah. a long time. Yeah. Like one, since Winston yeah. Churchill. Like, yeah. And one of them was Victoria, but, too, which is even more unlikely. I, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, anyway, so I knew that Truss had to resign, blah, 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 but I did not realize that they already have a new prime minister. So I said, you know, Mary suggested this. I said, great. She said, why not the new British prime minister? And I'm like, all right, you know, and this will force me to learn about yeah. who this person is. I, I so, felt the same way about that too. That was my, that was my. Take. Yeah, I, I thought it was still like it was still trust until they got someone new. But apparently today is, as we record today, October 29th is the one week anniversary of the prime ministership of Rishi Sunak. Am I pronouncing that right, Bill? Do we have I, any idea? That's what I heard. Yeah, sure. R- Rishi Sunak is the current new prime minister of. Jolly old England, Great Britain, the United Blight, Kingdom. Blighty. Old blighty. Uh, <laughs> you know, ki- kind of my favorite country. I mean, I guess the United States has to be my favorite country. Well, then Canada. Uh, I- I've been a bit of an Anglophile all my life, Bill. British music. Every London's my favorite city. But no love for the uh, Netherlands now, Noah? Wither the Netherlands? We have a king, if, if you're interested. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, uh, you know, I haven't been there since I'm, I was seven. Someday I'll go back. Someday. Anyway, let's talk about Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak uh, was, uh, uh, he's been a member of parliament for Richmond and then in parentheses, Yorks. I don't know what that means. Since 2015. Of course, they have a parliamentary system. So prime minister there, even though they're the head of government, they're, you know, a little like Speaker of the House. Uh, They represent one district in the country. Um, Just like Nancy Pelosi represents my district. And I handing in my ballot today to vote for her reelection, and I will not let conspiracy crazed um, uh, maniacs wielding hammers stop me because fuck those people. Anyway, so uh, Rishi Sunak has been a member of Parliament since 2015, and uh, from 2020 to 22, he was Chancellor of the Exchequer, which I guess is the closest equivalent uh, here would be. Uh, uh, Secretary of Treasury, but Chancellor of the Exchequer sounds so much cooler. It's just like here we have lawyers, but there they have barristers and solicitors. Like everything in England is just more musical. They have lifts and lorries and chips and lorries, and- trams and chips and yeah, and all yeah. that and and Yorkies and okay. So uh, he won the election among his party, the Conservative Party, aka the Tories, to replace Truss. And since the conservatives have the majority, he is now prime minister, head of the government. Uh, and, and Bill, representation matters. Rishi Sunak is the first prime minister of color in Great Britain, the first of Indian descent. His parents uh, are immigrants from the nation of India. No, first they're from, Hindu. They're, they're from Africa. They were actually African Indians in the diaspora, to be, to be precise. I, I apologize. You're right. But they are of Indian descent, and they are immigrants. Uh, he is a Hindu. He took, I guess it's not an oath of, office, oath of office, but whatever it is to officially become what you are uh, on the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, and he is the youngest PM in centuries. He is 42 years old. All right, Bill, do you feel old now? He's 20 Liz years Truss, younger than us. Yeah. 20 years. Liz Truss is 12 days younger than me. Rishi Sunak is five years younger than me. Also, Bill, representation matters. He is the richest prime minister ever. He has a estimated net worth of 800, he and his wife, $844 million. And that is more than twice that 
of King Charles III, which I don't really understand because I maybe I'm crazy. I always thought I heard that like the royal family technically owns like everything in the British Museum or something or like everything in the country or all the animals in the London Zoo or something like that. So that like technically the queen was always like the richest woman in the world, but I guess if they have a paltry 400 million, how much? Also, he's got to spread it out among all the cousins and the person who's 103rd in line for the throne, whatever. Rishi Sunak is the richest PM ever. And he got a lot of his money because he's just a rich guy. He got his, he, he lived here in California for five years. He got his MBA at Stanford. I was at Stanford last weekend doing an event for their 50th reunion, class of 1970. Getting an MBA too, right? Cashing yeah, in. Yeah, getting my MBA one night. Ask, asking trivia for 45 minutes counts as getting your MBA these days. Uh, he got his MBA at Stanford. He stuck around California for a while. He, was, he worked at Goldman Sachs. He was a hedge fund manager, lived in Santa Monica down in Southern California. Uh, but most of his fortune comes via his wife, uh, also a British Indian, Akshata Murthy, whose father... Uh, an India Indian, is the founder of Infosys. Infosys? I don't know how it's pronounced, but big company, Indian IT company. Uh, her, his, her, her father is a billionaire. And uh, a bit of a controversy is uh, Murti. They met at MBA, uh, at Stanford, getting their MBAs. Uh, Akshata Murti, I guess, I guess she'd be the first lady of, of uh, Great Britain, currently has a non-domicile status in the UK, which means uh, she saves money on taxes. So one of those rich people things. And of course, uh, Sunak enters the premiership uh, in a Great Britain in crisis, particularly conservative party in crisis. Truss was PM for six weeks. She had to resign after uh, she, her, her ministership made a financial statement in September that basically uh, outlined a vision of British government and economy that was hyper-conservative, as we would call it, cutting taxes on the rich, uh, imposing limits, financial limits on the poor, and it caused the... I, by the way, I might say a lot of crap here that's incorrect because when it comes to high-level money stuff, I'm an idiot. Uh, anyway, it caused the pound to drop precipitously compared to the dollar, and she was so shamed that members of her own party forced her to resign. Uh, so Sunak is... Uh, you know, might be a dude of color, but he's a rich conservative. Uh, he People are upset he has announced that this coming week, the COP27 climate summit in Egypt that he was supposed to attend, he will not be attending. He says he's got other things to deal with, meaning the economy. He has, he has reiterated Great Britain's dedication to fighting climate change and reaching net zero by 2050. We will see. Uh, and, um, you know, he is working on he, the theory of austerity. He wants to raise taxes and cut spending to uh, keep the British economy ship afloat or maybe to return it to floating status. He's also very much a tech bro, and he is very open about his intention to make Great Britain a world center of cryptocurrency, blockchain, NFTs, all that fun stuff. Bill's shaking his head right now. So Rishi Sunak... The new British Prime Minister, a new British Prime Minister, uh, representing the new age of Great Britain conservative leadership. Bill, what do you think of this young fella? Oh, you know what? I think I may have made a horrible mistake because all of my research here is about Rishi Cunningham. Uh, I think I, <laughs> I got the name correct. <laughs> 
Uh, I, I would like to parenthetically state... Now I'm picturing Richie Cunningham as the Prime Minister yeah, of Great With his, letterman, his letter jacket, yeah. His, his letter bro- jacket. His brother vanishes upstairs and never comes back down again. Yeah. Hey, Fonz, what do I do about inflation hitting 10%? Hey. You st- hey, you sit on it, Richie. Okay. You, hit the, you, you, you put your elbow into the jukebox. That's what happens. Yeah, you, you see, that's what, it, that's what Sunak's not doing. If Liz Truss had just banged a jukebox at Al's, Great Britain would be fine. Uh, the Conservative Party, the Tories, as they're called colloquially in England, it, you know, it's worth um, reminding myself, at least, that uh, they use the term conservatively different than uh, we do in the United States. Uh, slightly different. It's like the, uh, yes, rather, yes rather, we, we, we don't use the term conservative accurately anymore, I would believe. No, would no, that. it's it's changed. But the idea is that, well, in England, you have these are all Thatcherites. Um, I mean, they're yep. almost, they're still proudly Thatcherites. And, you know, I mean, anybody who needs the history lesson, look up how uh, Thatcher's austerity worked in the 80s after she closed the coal mines and took a lot of uh, Reaganomic uh, lessons and was a very unpopular prime minister among some people for a while. In spite of this, um, you know, in spite of this real sterling uh, reputation she enjoyed for years, the same way Reagan does unjustly in the States. Um, but the conservatives are just, it's its the old bad ideas rather than the new crazy batshit conspiracy Riven by, <laughs> by by conservative evangelical. Well, oh, but those aren't those those are old ideas, Bill. That's, right, but it's it's yeah. these are just they're these, they're new for mainstream conservative yeah. politics in the U.S. Yes, so sorry, like we okay. talk about the the, the conservative party, uh, you know this this is old thinking. You know this th- these are the same set in stone members. You're talking about you know Rishi Sunak may not look like. Standard uh, English people. He may not look like his peers for the most part. Although his cabinet is stocked with more color than there's ever been. Um, there's a, there's a there's a few uh, Anglo Indian. There's a few Anglo African people there. Uh, I mean, reflecting what honestly what England looks like today. Jesus, if you go to I, I mean, Grant, I'm sure it's still segregated to some part, but it's like there are so many people of color in the London metro area, yeah. which is what I'm more familiar yeah. with. It is a yeah. cosmopolitan country. It is a polyglot city. It is. It, is, it yep. should be a polyglot government. The idea of the House of Lords and things like that, peerage, is is so horrifyingly out of step with what the real England looks like these days. Um, so I think that you know Rishi Sunak is is strange because I think uh, and also no, you mentioned that the, you know the PM is essentially just a. Um, a guy or a person rather from one district he's he was he was picked chose from within the party he's just the spokesman of the party you know we right. always think of a guy like tony blair as oh i mean that's who it was for a lot of our 20s was this sort of barnstorming 12 year um incredibly what the eton-esque delivery of tony blair as if he was chosen by the english to run the country during tough times which is clearly not the no. case he's just merely the representative of the party at the time, it was um, Tony Blair was Labour. Yeah, yeah, Liberal Labor. Labor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like Rishi Sunak was not elected by the British people to be the prime minister. He was chosen by a star chamber, a shadow cabinet inside. It was you know it's a plebiscite, sort of like within the government decide who was going to be. Uh, you know, everyone puts themselves up for this. So he did offer himself up for it, and you do have to beat everybody else in a vote. But it's not a national plebiscite. He's not elected. Prime Minister. I mean, just so if anybody did not know that, that's just the case. Now, I think that when the uh, you know England is trying to um, take the the you know the the stick on this flaming airliner, you know, somehow point it to a uh, 
a runway somewhere that's safe because out of the disaster that it's been in for months, if not years now, since since uh, since was it David Cameron announced that we're going to do mm-hmm. Brexit and then handed the reins over to Theresa May. And then that was just it's been a fiasco for years now. Uh, two- is there anyone in that country who's by the way, Sunak was a big supporter of Brexit. Yeah, and I feel like 90 percent of the country if they if they did the if they did the. The, the vote again now, 90% of the country would vote against Brexit. I mean, it just sounds like everyone's unhappy about it. Uh, Maybe know, I'm wrong. I think there's some people, definitely, I don't think it would pass for sure. I don't think 90% of the country. I think a lot of people yeah. are still doubling down on their insularity and, and their, their nativism and all that shit. Uh, they're still happy not to be on the Euros, in the Eurozone or all this shit. You know, you, in fact, you got to emigrate from one, like you got to go from Northern Ireland to fucking Ireland, you got to pass through a political bench, and you know. Whereas that did that was not. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, and anyway, the the point is, is that Rishi Sunak, I think, was supposed to look like a new a Barack Obama esque tonic to the disastrous dysfunction that marked the you know all the the terrible Liz Truss weeks. Uh, oh, Boris, Bo- Boris Johnson's Boris Johnson's yeah. fiascos. Yeah, it's like you know he ran the place to, into the ground with all this bullshit during COVID. He was having parties on with all these people, and they were spreading COVID around Ted Downing, and and you know it, it like that's clearly Boris Johnson is the emblem of like British toff, you know peerage. The idea that he was this fucking asshole who was born into privilege and pretends like the whole country is just there for him and his his, his class of Eton. Yeah, we have or, nothing like that in the United States. Well, no. We, we have no rich slobs who, who pretend they represent the people on love. But uh, he doesn't pretend. He, he, he quite literally wants to live in the pre-Winston uh, Churchill-esque days of, you know, Marlboro Manor and, you know, uh, uh, drinking games and, and whiff-and-poof songs and things like that. He quite literally, he looks like he's from the turn of the century. He, he wants the England to be that way, whereas not. Yeah, so that, before that, combs before combs had been invented. And, and irons for shirts, exactly. His, yes. his, his eccentricity was supposed to be this thing that he thought marked him as a hero of the people. And it's just, yeah, he's, he's, he's a, a real person. He tells it like it is. So yeah. Rishi Sunak has all these shitty values, all these really banal, tedious belief systems about how you know everything should be a technocracy uh the market can solve all problems the country should be run like a fucking startup because he's so affined at silicon valley in california it it it, 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 you know what honestly just because he was having a diwali celebration a few days ago i think that's i think it's a smokescreen i think that you know he he's supposed to look like this is a repair an obama-esque repair to a lot no one i don't think is celebrating uh, and an Asian, a South Asian. I mean, there is a note of it. I read a lot of articles about how people, you go to the South Asian neighborhoods, be they Pakistani, Bangladeshi, uh, uh, Indian, so on and so forth. Everyone has an opinion about it, but I don't think that they're not marching in the streets they were on election night in two thousand eight. You know, like no. it, it, this can't move the needle as much as it is a big deal. Like the celebration of someone who's who's a a, a brown skinned person as the by the way, no, you know the last bit of diversity that was inside Ten Downing Street was Benjamin Disraeli in the mid <laughs> the mid nineteenth century. Well, I think it was. I think people. I seemed like a like a sea change when Thatcher, be, the first female prime minister, right? Yeah, but she was still Thatcher was still yes, she was still an arch conservative, but to the same extent, Richie Sun Rishi Sunak, like to the extent that well, he's not you know a lefty hero, but. 
there's some represent. It's like you say, there's some representation value to it, and I think people probably felt that about Thatcher. I mean, I wasn't paying attention when I was six years old or whenever she became prime minister. But yeah, uh, like you may be right about that, but I mean, th- th- yeah. there was one Jewish prime minister, is Benjamin Disraeli, yes. and he barely. I mean, I don't think he he had to fight back against. You know, there were rules in the books until the 19th century about about Jews serving as prime minister. They were not allowed to. They were embargoed from doing such a thing until yeah. they changed yeah. the fucking laws in England to make it right. so. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 widen the doorways to fit our horns. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, what do you, what do you think of this guy? Well, like you, I can't help but see this through the lens of American politics. Uh, I think more so than you, because uh, I mean, not that I'm more engaged in American politics than you, but I'm, I'm probably less engaged in British politics than you, because I don't live in Europe. Um, look, I, I, I like I said, I'm a, I'm a bit of an Anglophile, and. I appreciate how they're not as crazy as American conservatives, which you kind of say. I mean, he might be paying lip service to it, but he has reiterated some party positions that, you know, I could only wish the Republicans here believed it. They just reaffirmed a ban on fracking in Great Britain. Uh, Like I said, the lip service to the net zero by 2050. He has proclaimed support of LGBTQ rights, which good luck getting that from a major Republican politician these days. I mean, they are lurching in the opposite direction. Um, And then, frankly, I mean, I guess this isn't Sunak directly, but I mean, Trust came up with this economically disastrous plan and they said, fuck you, you suck. And they pushed her out. I mean, they pushed Johnson out for his perfidy. I mean, look at our conservative party. You put that stuff out there, no matter how much it's proven to be wrong or bad, it just earns you more support from our right flank. I mean, I was talking about this with someone recently. I was reading this book called Dying of Whiteness, and it's about this writer from um, Kansas, went back to Kansas, and he also went to, I think, Indiana and Ohio, and he really investigated how people's support for the Republicans is... Uh, they, they support policies that literally are killing them. It's inverse their lifespan. Yeah. Right. Whether, I mean, it's it's he references that book, uh, What's the Matter with Kansas? But it's years later. How, you know, not just not supporting Obamacare or or ransacking education or uh, or gun control. Those are the three big issues. And how people are actively dying because of these things, but it's worth it for them because racism. And he talks about Kansas. People forget this. 15 years ago or whatever, the Kansas experiment, Governor Sam Brownback cut taxes to the bone and said it was an experiment. And he said, we're going to hypercharge our economy. It was a, it was a radical experiment in um, trickle-down economics. And it failed. It failed so dramatically. Kansas now has a Democratic governor. Um, they, the, the legislature had to override it. They had to cut spending on everything and the state really suffered. And what people don't say is the Trump tax cut when he was president in 2018 was the same thing. And it wasn't as extreme, but it was like halfway there on a national level. It had been proven to fail and they did it anyway. Can you imagine if Vermont did some radical experiment and let's say, you know, universal basic income for everyone in the state and it led to the state completely falling, you know, falling down the well economically, you would never hear the end of it on Fox News. And a, and, a, and a Democratic president then proposed it? Jesus Christ. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so my point is the fact that Truss's plan 
didn't even have time to fail. It just, you know, made the markets drop and they booted her out. Never mind the fact that Republicans rallied behind, around Trump when he he betrayed the nation. Um, I have to appreciate that. I have to appreciate the Tories, at least compared to the American Republicans, in that if stuff goes south, they do something about it, right? Um, then again, there are a lot of problems with Sunak directly. Um, he has been criticized for saying some things that are very typical conservative insensitive. You know, he might be a man of color, but he said something about shipping immigrants to Rwanda. He's got no working uh, class friends. He sort of was, he, he was yeah, grasping a straw exactly. during an interview. He, did, he didn't know how to use a, a credit card. Yeah, touch pay, said. touch pay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is kind of funny. Uh, he has proposed uh, Great Britain withdrawing from the European Convention on Human Rights. Uh, but perhaps more importantly, as you say, he's just another tech bro. He's one of these guys. I see him all over here in the Bay Area. Uh, I mean, Peter Thiel is an American example. These people who live in their fucking bubble of technocrat privilege, they think everyone can rise up. They think blockchain is going to save the world. You know, they, they, they think, why doesn't everyone, we don't need to spend money on all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. Um, they live in a bubble. Technocrat Austerian is how Axios described him. And that's a little scary to me. I mean, I think it ties in with the American philosophy right now. Uh, for example, all the people who, I mean, we don't know how the midterms are going to turn out. It's a little hard to predict. But this idea that gas prices and inflation are number one issues. I don't want to say that inflation doesn't matter and gas prices don't matter. I'm a very privileged person. Those things don't impact my pocketbook the way they do millions and millions of Americans. But the fact that those are the only issues that matter, that I'm going to, you know, welcome in people who have been open about their authoritarian impulses because gas is expensive, just seems very non-civic minded, very unpatriotic and very selfish. So Rishi Sunak might not be a crazy authoritarian, racist, homophobic, you know, anti-education conservative, but he's a technocrat austerian. He's a tech bro, uh, white tower, ivory tower, living in his bubble, you know, insensitive douchebag. And frankly, I'm sick of those people and they're, they're almost as bad. Dickhead. Entitled. Risky. Privileged. Wealthy. Different. Because we've never had an Asian prime minister before. Clueless. Dickhead. Noah Tarno, tell me, why is uh, Lionel Rishi Sunak popular at the moment? <laughs> So here's my thing about Lionel Richie. Uh, when I, my first job out of school, I was trying to be a uh, music critic and I scammed my way into a job. I was assistant to the music editor at Rolling Stone for two years, which was pretty exciting, but not the right job for me. And I used to have to field calls from publicists all the time and talk them down. And I want you to do an article on my crappy band. Anyway, this woman who was representing Lionel Richie it was the late 90s. So he had a bit of a comeback later. You know, he was appreciated on an ironic level. And of course, when Nicole Richie became a star. And Lionel Richie's publicist called me in 1998 and she said, let me ask you flat out, what would it take for Rolling Stone to do an article on Lionel Richie right now? And I came this close to saying, if he died. <laughs> Glad you didn't say <laughs> that. Which is pretty much the only thing I can think of. Anyway, yeah. Lionel Richie, ta talented dude. It's, very, it's very, very talented. talented. Super talented. Yeah. So very talented, very talented. Uh, I think you said it why. Um, you know, They've been lurching, the country and the Tories have been lurching from crisis to crisis. And he's slick, he's smooth, 
He talks a good game. He puts a fresh face on things. He looks like something completely different, and he talks like something completely different. He's not like Boris Johnson. He wears a sharp suit. His hair looks good. Uh, he talks about all these new, newfangled economic technocratic concepts, and of course, he is a gentleman of color. Uh, so that's why there might not be truth behind it, but you know that's politics for you. But uh, you know it's not an Obama moment. You brought that up. It's not, and one of the big reasons is he wasn't popularly elected. You said that, right? He was elected by the Tories. And before that, he was elected by I don't know how many thousands of people in Richmond, Yorks, wherever that is. So um, he puts a nice spin on things without actually changing things, which frankly is how a lot of people on the left, uh, how, what a lot of people on the left said about Obama, right? That sure. He makes people think he's new and different, but he's not. I think he was better than that. I think Obama was an above average president, but he certainly didn't fulfill all the dreams of every radical lefty in the country. Didn't even fulfill all my dreams, but you got to be realistic in American politics. You know, man, I, I think much like this, this equating, this equivalency between Hanukkah and Christmas, there is this equivalency between the Prime Minister of England and the United States President, as if they were comparable jobs, which they're not. And people just keep thinking that there's some equivalency between the two of those things. You know? Well, they are the head of government. Yeah, but the way the the way that the governments that they lead and the way they get there are two very different ways. Everything that these all guys, right, fine, yeah. but it's a different country. I mean, yeah. they're different people and different. Yeah, sure. Hey, look, I'm not complaining because I think that look, Holland here has something called the, the Polder model. It's that it's that coalition government where you know they have to essentially make a, a all these different scattered political parties have to create enough numbers to make a majority, and you know it in some ways makes for a very fractious governmental system. However, it is in aggregate better than a two-party system. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, it does grind the gears a little bit. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I I can't add much to what you just said in terms of why he's popular. Um, you know, I think the mood at 10 Downing uh, has a lot to do with it. And again, it's it's really sad and scary and disorienting to look at something uh, that that doorway that shows up in the news with larry the cat in front of it you know that's just that you know we, we kind of again as anglophile anglophiles we kind of think of the england as being this place of of unremitting stability to the point yeah. where it could be baffling or stultifying yeah. if you ask other english people and yet it's been you know spinning on ice like a drunk driver after you know five margaritas um and it's, it's so strange to see the English government in the state. You know, it's one thing we watch those parliamentary videos where it's really raucous to the point where it's entertainment of watching the sort of atmosphere, that that yelling atmosphere from the back rows of people going back and forth and having a very spirited debate, which we don't have that in the United States government or anything like that. But to see that the chief executive, as it were, is um, just so transient is kind of scary. You know, it, it is... a. Uh, uh, it looks weird and it does not fill you with a lot of hope for what this really stable, no. you know, America's no. partner in the special relationship is supposed yeah. to, is supposed to be better than this, but it's like, you know what, as, as defanged and as neutered and as irradiated as America is right now, there's no reason to think that the English world should be any different because they're under the no. same societal pressures as, 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 as we are as Americans, you know, yeah. it's, it's a bit, it's a bad time to be in Western democracy just because there's so many, the same, yep. the same pressures and stressors are on. But let me tell you this before we go out. I, I, I was I read, there was little bits and pieces of, of things about Rishi Sunak I kept thinking of, and it occurred to me. 
that you know what he reminds me of? I think here's the here's the equivalent of him in America, Mitt Romney. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Mitt uh, Romney. Well, fa- okay. How about this? Fabulously rich, rigidly yes. t- rigidly teetotal. And from, yes. from oh, Rishi, Rishi Sunak is a teetotaler. Oh, I didn't read yeah. that. Now he's he really? has a little all statue right. of Ganesh on his desk and all that. And he's from okay. a, he's from a religion who, granted, uh, Hindu is much different in terms of its status than the Church of Latter Day Saints in America. Latter Day Saints is bullshit. It's just it's just wishful thinking magic. It's it's total garbage. But <laughs> it's not it's not the sort of prevailing uh, flagship faith of the land in each case you know but rishi sunak i think has a better cover with hindu Mm -hmm. than uh, mitt romney does but mitt romney if you want to look he's the guy that thought oh what i'm going to do is take hedge fund thinking tech bro thinking i'm going to put it to running uh you know running a country Mm. and i think that there's there's a there's an overlap between those two guys yeah but romney is more old i see what you mean that's a good point but romney is way more old-fashioned generationally romney is not yeah generationally romney is not a tech bro however i could see romney if romney had become president he probably would have hired a lot of tech bros to run things good morning i've just been to buckingham palace and accepted his majesty the king's invitation to form a government in his name. So, Bill, let's say you were a young man uh, in your teens and your 20s and you were following politics. What would you think of Rishi Sunak? Would you be on the... Would you be a... And let's say you lived in Britain. Would you be a Tory? No, I wouldn't be a Tory. But like, like we keep, we keep uh, harping on this theme of our, our own sort of natural early Anglophilia. And, you know, with I think with me... Uh, I'm sure it's the same with you. It, it comes from their televised programming and this sense of this esteem <laughs> that we give English history because so much. For of me, our... it came from the music. It wasn't TV. It was the okay. Music. I, it was it was the TV yeah. for me. It was the comedy. It was those things. That it, it appeared like oh, there's this this country that speaks the same language with a different accent, and it runs ever so slightly different. It was this natural curiosity. And again, thinking that somehow that makes the entertainment better, I, I don't, I don't know why I made that equivalency. But we, I mean, let's put it this way: through the seventies and eighties, we were presented with English things equals more intellectual, more upper class, as if there was some natural shine to those things merely because of the fact that they came from the United Kingdom. We clearly know that's not true. But yes, my natural Anglophilia might have made me feel like there was something better about an English head of state. Because I, I, I think I did feel that way in the 80s. Not knowing much about Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher with her with her sort of drawn face and her choked delivery and her very stiff carriage looked like a different thing. You know, It looked like an English woman, right? A very prim and proper old-fashioned mm-hmm. English woman from the middle of the century. Um, and, and somehow that like the English head of state is more revered or more competent or qualified compared to our American presidents. Uh, I mean, you know, look, at, we've had a bunch since then. It wasn't just Ronald Reagan, but it was it was uh, George Herbert Walker and it was William Jefferson and uh, Barack Hussein and, and all these people that came after that. Um, all these people that came after ha- that. However, because you don't want to say one name. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I think that... It would be hard not to read the tumult and disorganization, which Parliament and Ten Downing has been in for a couple of years now. Um, or, or maybe it would have. It's a question, would that have been lost on me? I mean, that that it's hard to look at this thing now other than any other way than through the, pr- the prism of this total train wreck, this total disaster. Um, you know, he's just one of the beams of light coming out of it. Um, that But that wasn't the picture that we had of... of Parliament. That wasn't the picture that we had of England back in the 80s. It was, you know, rock solid, 
you know, people shutting down the coal mines and and trying to you know de- deflect uh, bombs in in uh, uh, garbage cans and things like that from the IRA. It was a mu- <laughs> it was a much different you know like the stressors yeah, but- look different and they look more heroic for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, for me, my anglophilia was the music, and I also had a moment. Well, the last time I was in London, which was ten years ago, twelve years ago. And my thought was like, London is like the U.S., just more interesting and not as crazed. Like things just felt a little slowed down, which I appreciated. It's sort of like when I lived in New York and I would leave New York and go, or like when I was in Philadelphia last spring, it felt like this is like New York and that it's an Eastern city. It's got history. It's got culture. It's got a past, but just not, everyone's not insane. You know, everyone's not like, look at me, look at me. I don't know. I mean, I I was reading into that because I was a visitor and, and that's, kind of how I viewed England because I didn't live there. I didn't see its flaws from the inside. Um, I think if I were young, I would think Sunak was more exciting or more interesting than I do now because, you know, I wasn't as, well, I wasn't as old and cynical, but also I wasn't as, as, as you know, uh, subsumed in politics, Right. And the appearance of a sea change, the gloss of a new direction, would have um, would have seduced me more than it does. I mean, I remember uh, when Clinton was elected in '92, just feeling like the sense of like, "Wow, it's a new day." I mean, people were talking; he's a baby boomer. Everything's going to be great. He's going to be morning this in America. Hero. Tony Morrison said it. Well, yeah, and frankly, while I'll take Clinton eight billion times over. H.W. Bush or certainly Reagan or certainly any of the Republicans we've had since then, uh, you know, I think anyone who was really paying attention knew this wouldn't change everything. Also, part of me, and I've said this before, when Clinton was elected, I almost felt like, I remember watching TV when they're like, he won, he's going to be president. Like, that's not, they're not going to let him be president because I just had this idea that like Republicans always win, right? I remember 1984, every adult I knew was voting for Mondale and he's still like, even in my little state of New Jersey, isn't so little population-wise, he still got destroyed. So I remember thinking, like, it's just impossible that my team, quote-unquote, will ever win at that level. So I would have looked at Sunak as like, yeah, he's going to be a liberal because he's brown and because he says he likes LGBTQ people. Uh, I would have been a little naive on that front. So I can imagine being more enticed by that. That being said, if I paid half a bit of attention to anything the Tories believed, I wouldn't take their side if I were a British voter, I'm sure I'd be Labour. The Chancellor's already said, of course, difficult decisions are going to have to be made, and I'm going to sit down and work through those with him. But what I want everyone to know is that we need to do these things so that we can get our borrowing and debt back on a sustainable path. That's important because it means that we can get a grip of inflation if we do that. Noah, tell me, is there any sign of the apocalypse in Rishi Valen's uh, ascendancy to the uh, prime ministership? <laughs> Rishi, Va- Rishi Valen's... He died with uh, Boris Holly and uh, the, the, the big Thatcher uh, in a plane crash on the day the parliament died. The Grand uh, Bopper. We were singing, bye-bye, Miss British Pie. Um, well, uh, literally, yes. Uh, one thing we haven't mentioned is Sunak has said his government will look into cutting... British support for the Ukraine in the war with Russia. <laughs> Great. Good idea. Um, so that might literally lead to the apocalypse. But I think on a bigger level, this might be in terms of 
the lip service, the technocracy kind of viewpoint of things is the wrong direction I think we need to be going in now as a Western world. Uh, I think it might, I think the lip service might be too little too late and the technocracy might be really the wrong direction. I think we need to stop looking for all the solutions in technology. Well, we do need technology, but not that kind of technology, not in money markets, not in... Um, invented wealth, uh, no. Right, invented wealth. I think fixing the... It's like I say, like people who vote here because... Infl- I mean, never mind, the Republicans have no plan to deal with inflation. It's just their argument is we're not the Democrats. Um that everything is about, you know, pocketbook issues. I mean, I don't want to say that it isn't important, but we got some big issues that have to be put on the front burner now. Yeah, and then also what you said, look, if you can't, I mean, maybe we're silly, but like I've always felt the UK was the source of stability. Things aren't as crazy. They speak our language. They've been around forever. They're, they don't have to have their finger in every crisis of the world, but they still have a great standard of living. And if you can't count on the UK to be a place of stability, what can you count on? And Sunak doesn't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll surprise us all, but he doesn't seem to be moving the UK into the position where I think it needs to be to remain that kind of bulwark of Western life Yeah, that, that I, I view it as. As right, usual, my, uh, my stalwart and dowdy uh, co-host, I, I believe you're speaking truth on this one um thank you yeah you know the 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 fires at 10 downing are i think that it's not the literal apocalypse but those in fact are a sign of the apocalypse um it's been really bad over there and i would say this parenthetically for the second time in the episode for some reason labor can't stage a rally and get themselves to hold on power yeah you never hear about labor these days what the hell are they doing you know what after the whole jeremy corbyn thing where they were accused of being anti-semitic they were blown out of the box and it's for reasons unknown to me we have not heard of any kind of rally in spite of it's like they were made into this uh personae non grate and I can't tell you why, but look, that's that's a different that's a different issue. I think it's ridiculous that we've been having this conversation as if we could just, we're just stuck with these bad options. They're just juggling mm-hmm. one shitty head of state to another. You know, this Tory dysfunction. Look, Sunak is a symptom of all that at the moment, and you know, I'll even venture to say that uh, he's. He's completely unlikely to be able to supersede this disaster he's inheriting. I mean, it's just it's not going to work. Those are bad policies, and it's bigger. And it's like every idiot who was in the job before him thought then the same thing. Oh well, it's it's my turn to come in here and kibosh this problem. They're, they're shitty, tired, unfair public policies. It's like they're you know they're going to enact them, and they're going to fail. And what's going to happen is they'll give the job to some other tool right after him. Some other Toph from Eton or Sandhurst or Oxbridge or some other place where they pluck all their prime ministers from. Well, no, uh, Sunak did go to Oxford for his undergraduate. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you know that Sunak? It's fifth form or whatever they call it. Sunak went to the same boarding prep school, the same, by the way, 50,000 pound a year prep school as Joss Whedon did. Joss Whedon was sent to England and really, did, yeah, yeah, it's really. I looked, I, I dug down deep, and I'm like, well, this is a really strange uh, crossover. Our mandate is based on the manifesto that we were elected on to remind him an election that we won and they lost. Bill, are you at all jealous of? Uh, uh, actually, people have been making fun of him, calling Rishi Rich. Get it? I like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's clever. I've seen some in England are calling on that. Are you jealous of uh, Rishi Rich and his his uh, robot maid at 10 Downing Street? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you hear about a dude like this with his trajectory. Born to professional strivers. Granted, his parents had the immigrant uh, uh, shine in their eyes. I, I don't think his parents were ever poor, though. No, no, no. I'm were saying they? But they, they were strivers. Yeah. They were professional. They were definitely yeah. professionals, though. Um, and, you know, like you have a different pressure on your back than the rest of us do. Uh, if you're in the country living as your first generation and your parents are like, you don't get the backstop of like failing, especially uh, Anglo-Indian. I think, I, I don't let me comment on this, but I'm sure that there's something akin to the Anglo-American experience where it is a different series of pressures from inside the family. And it's like, he, he apparently he thrives. It's like, look what this guy did. Here's the thing. So we got the money. We got the, the, the connections. We got the assets of the upper class Britain available to him. I'll tell you another reason why I'm jealous, not just for all those reasons, but the one thing I read in this uh, when I was going through all this biographic material and I, I, no one ever said that this guy was a genius. No one ever said that he was when he was at Stanford, they, his professor said, no, you know what? To be honest, I can't recall anything that he did while he was getting his economics <laughs> degree. Well, but people said he was a strike. I read something that said he and Murphy, his wife, were the power couple. Yeah, at Stanford that, Business that, School, that, that, they were could, there. That, he that, was a he was he was a guy. He was the guy out in front. He was making shit happen. I hate those guys. Yeah, uh, no, it's true. But it's like at, at no point did anyone ever say this man is a naturally gifted anything. Apparently, he succeeded quite a bit. Look, he's he's got all the stuff, but he was never head of the class. And I think, well, of course, the station, the status, the fact that even as uh, the son of immigrant parents. In an increasingly browning England over the years, he still went to these upper class um, educational facilities. He still benefited from this this class system in some way. But it was the fact that he wasn't supposed to be the best. He might have just been good enough. And it's like that stings the most. Because if there's anything that describes your old pal Bill Scurry, it's that he's not the best. He was just good enough. And, (laughs) you know, here I am talking to you in the microphone, Noah. Yeah. Yeah, I I hear that. Yeah, I'm jealous of him. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. I would never want to be British Prime Minister. Certainly not now. Well, I mean, British Prime Minister. I mean, I used to have this fantasy of being President of the United States, and trust me, it was Wait, always if, 100% fantasy, was, but like, was a king, I don't have that fantasy anymore. What if it was a King Ralph situation where all of Parliament was executed <laughs> and all that was left somewhere by peerage, you were the last guy that they brought over? Now, they had no I, choice. I yeah, I haven't seen that movie in a while, so... King Ralph, Ralph, as I recall, he was the illegitimate son of some guy kind of high up. So not that many people died to make him king. Only like 10, right? Yeah, something like that, yeah. It's not like, I once read an interview with a woman who was the last in line for the British throne. There's a list somewhere of like 1,500 people. And she is dead last. And she lived in Germany. She didn't speak a word of English. She was not rich. She didn't know anyone in the royal family. Oh, she was, but she like was going a, way back. A Saxa Coburg or whatever that. The English exactly. Yeah, going yeah. way back. Somehow she is distantly related to yeah, the royal family. Yeah. Uh, God, who maintains that list? What a waste of time that is. Uh, no, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes and I wouldn't want to be a tech bro. But, I mean, the guy's five years younger than me and, and he's scaled some heights i mean i wanted to scale the heights of my world and i haven't the way i wanted to and i'm still trying to and i'm still having trouble with that so of course i'm jealous of this dude i mean anyone who's the youngest anything ever i remember when i was a kid or when i was like when i was right out of college you know i still had this fantasy of being famous 
being an actor or performer or whatever, or writer. And um, I remember when people younger than me got famous. At first, it didn't bother me so much because I always go, oh, my God, he's done this, 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 and this, and he's only 21 years old. So, like, okay, fine. I know I'm not in the first tier. The exceptional people have, have surpassed me. That's fine. What really started making me feel old is when people younger than me were famous and there was nothing remarkable about their age. Like, yeah, he's 25. He's famous. That's when you get famous. And I was 27, you know? That's when I started feeling it. And now, of course, everyone successful is younger than me. So, you know, you got you to gotta develop a thick skin and live with it. But 42 is young for British prime minister. We have yet to have an American president younger than me, but, you know, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sure, I'm jealous. I want to, I want to, and I wouldn't mind a billion dollars. I mean, money doesn't, isn't my main motivator, but if I had a billion dollars, I'd get more shit done. That's C- sure. Certainly not unmotivating. That's for damn sure. Yes, exactly, yeah. All right, so Noah, uh, let's wrap it up then with the fallopian scale. Uh, yeah. Where, where do you put yeah. where do you put um, Rishi Sunak on the uh, fallopian scale of, of X, We y, haven't. We have right. We haven't looked at a lot of politicians. Honestly, the only one I can think of is Beto O'Rourke. That was it. And that says was in that one. episode. I'm a right. I'm a Beto fanboy. So uh, Rishi Sunak is one eighty fourth of Beto O'Rourke. One eighty fourth. Okay. Yes. Well, Better O'Rourke has better access to barbecue from the hill country. So, yeah, he definitely is well, winning. There's that, too. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say. And, and, let's, and let's see if Better O'Rourke pleasantly surprises us next week and becomes governor of Texas. I was going to say politicians. That, that'll change thing. this math. So, But yeah. Sunak is actually the first head of state, you know, to be to be to put a, a fine, precise point on it, too. Well, uh, yeah, since since and we never talked about a, a, a head of state in a prior episode before. But in terms of mediocrity. And what I would say is the wrong thing at the wrong time status of, of him in the spot. I would kind of compare him, Noah, if you're ready for this, I would compare him to the Michael yeah. Bay Transformer movies. Uh, <laughs> in that in that this is a noisy spectacle. People are imputing entertainment on both, and they are unlikely to help out the cause of the human race in the end. Uh, by the way, it's sorry, it's too late now, but if you don't want to hear us talk about politics, you don't like our opinions... Uh, trigger warning it's you will enjoy this episode yeah. so all right everybody if you'd like to find past episodes of this show look on apple Podcasts, soundcloud google play and stitcher tweet to us at no one bill show uh write to us no one bill don't get it at gmail.com give us a review on the aggregators because uh, that's how people find podcasts and like noah always says every week take our take like five or ten episodes of our show put them on a thumb drive and randomly distribute them to people uh, and when you, you know, like soon you guys will be at Thanksgiving, make sure that you over talk everyone loudly who's drunk, who's racist at your at your tables. Make sure you specify this show, what we talk about, and how good we are at it. That's got to be the leitmotif of your Thanksgiving. And I'm going to put that in your ears. You've got a couple of weeks to think about it. I think it's super important. Um, if you want to find me, I'll give you some moral support to do so. I'm on uh, Twitter, at William Scar- Twitter for the moment, for, I should say. For now, you're going to get kicked, you know, yeah. everyone who's not a Nazi is going to get kicked off soon. At William Scurry uh, and my uh, video content, my essays, American Caesar uh, Salad film essays on film topics is on YouTube at youtube.com slash amcaesar. Uh, the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com, America's finest source of corporate and private trivia events. Uh, in-person, hybrid, and virtual. And uh, we're booking now for the holidays. Holidays, December's filling up. Also booking for 2023. And, uh, yeah, November still got some dates. So uh, check us out, bigquizthing.com. Take a sample quiz. Uh, don't worry about social media. 
And uh, yeah, bigquizzing.com. I can't say it enough times. Okay, everybody. So until the next episode, me and Noah are revealed in a diversity hire as the first curmudgeon American prime ministers of, I don't know, Upper Volta or somewhere. We, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2022.